This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dunn, and joining me today on my far right is Paul Gorse. Paul, how are you? Very well, very well, Connor, yeah. Um, Good. Just happy to continue to see the Reds winning games and getting through me Christmas Eating and drinking period, that's coming to a close on, on the 1st of January and uh, yeah, but we're all good over here. Happy days and next name is Dan Kay. Dan, how are you doing? All very good. Yes, thank you, Connor. Still full of vim and vigour at our amazing team being champions of the world and champions of Europe and getting ever nearer. We hope to be in champions of our little island sometime soon as well. Absolutely. And Kiva O'Neill, how are you doing? I'm good, but I'm not looking forward to January because then I'll have to stop eating. I've been really, to. really enjoying yeah, it. You're an adult. You're going to have to eat something. It's January, isn't it? You can it? do what you like. <laughs> I'm going to eat something. It's just going to be healthy. I'm going to try and go vegan. New Year, New oh, Year. For January. Yeah, going for it. Anyway, the... the How are you, Connor? Nobody asked. Do you know what? So I amazing. am wonderful. Thank you, Dan. That's <laughs> to put up with us. As lot, always. So. <laughs> Excited at the big red machine, marching on once again against Wolves. 1-0, Sadio Mane got the goal. VR unfortunately took total centre stage. Paul Gorse, you were at Anfield. What did you make of it? There wasn't much to write home about other than the two VAR incidents, was there? <clears throat> I thought both teams were tired. Both teams had very legitimate excuses for being tired. Obviously, uh, Wolves coming back to beat Manchester City less than 48 hours earlier, around about 45 hours, something like that. Klopp said uh, on Christmas Eve that it's a crime the teams are being asked to play twice within 48 hours of one another and Liverpool weren't actually included in, in that kind of predicament um, but it wasn't reported that way from certain sections. Some took it as Klopp's having a moan as usual but he was actually making a very legitimate and valid point which affected the team who Liverpool were playing on, on um, Sunday afternoon. Thought that They looked tired, they did well for quite a long time. Liverpool looked a little bit leggy, particularly second half. But you can't really blame them after such a... Energy sap in December that's taken them to Austria and Qatar and I think that was the ninth game of, of, of December. Obviously there was the caveat of Aston Villa where none of them were involved but still it was a very draining December and, and you could see that in the second half performance but they've done enough to get over the line. VAR once again was the, the you know the, the big controversy as it always is whenever it's used let's be honest. Anthony Taylor is not Liverpool's favourite official is he by any stretch of the imagination. He cancelled out the... Anthony Taylor show. Yeah. So he cancelled out the first one and then replay showed that it actually come off Adam Lallana's shoulder. Mane wasn't offside, so that one was correctly overturned. And then Wolves was one. I mean, if that had gone against Liverpool, you'd probably be sitting here complaining about it, wouldn't you? It was such such a marginal advantage. It was a bit similar to Roberto Firmino's at Aston Villa, if you remember that one with the armpits and all that palaver. Um, I don't know what's offside anymore and what isn't. So I just sit and wait dutifully for the decision and then get on with it. Um, it's all getting a bit ridiculous really but Liverpool have come out on the right side of it three more points um, marching on yeah absolutely I mean we'll come on to talk about VAR in a little bit more detail because I think we're at the point now where we have to but Dan I think there's been a little bit of criticism levelled at Liverpool the fact they haven't been not not criticism is really harsh but uh, saying sort of they haven't been at the, the top level they haven't been playing perhaps as well as they were last season perhaps you think it's more just the case of where you know they were masterful against Leicester. They were incredible against City. Do you think they're just beating what's in front of them and getting through the games how they need to, managing the season, perhaps? I mean, <clears throat> what else can you do but that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we were talking before we started this about how, um, because of the way Liverpool play, the very physically and emotionally intense way that they play, it does take a lot out of players, you know, not just physically, but but mentally. And the first two real full seasons under Klopp, the legs fell off. Yeah, the one that always sticks in the mind, January 07, when Mane went off to the African Nations, we started January with an outside chance of the league still in both cup competitions and ended up losing like three or four games in a week and just about kind of stumbled over line with that final day win over Middlesbrough to qualify for the 17-18 Champions League, which obviously started this amazing rise with Kiev and Madrid and so on. And I think there was a, there was a discernible change in Liverpool's kind of like attitude and I say the right way to put it but at the start of last season particularly that first third there was more of a kind of like an economy of, an, an economy of effort and it's a very difficult thing to get right because you can't just do you can't just necessarily cruise through games because you're asking for trouble then but I think somehow they seem to have struck upon this balance about getting the job done in those games when you can do almost the bare minimum but then there are occasions like Leicester away like 
like we've seen at various points over the course of this season, when they can really turn it on, shift through the gears and show the full range of their abilities. And, you know, I heard a little bit of a phone in at one point last night and there was some caller ring up going, oh yeah, they're not playing half as well as last season. Well, you know, football isn't necessarily about playing well for 90 minutes for 38 games a season. It's about winning the crucial moments in the important games. And Liverpool consistently have been doing that in all competitions over a long period of time. So I, you know, I'm not saying they're immune from criticism. Nobody can be. And you know, there were one or two moments yesterday, one or two performances that maybe didn't kind of quite match up to the very, very high standards that they've already set themselves. But I think it, it's, I don't, I find it very difficult to kind of give any credence to a, to a theory that Liverpool haven't played well this season because I, as a supporter, be going week in, week out, feel like I did when I was seven years old again. It, the thrill of watching this team play is an absolute is an absolute joy, and you know I'm I'm hungry for more of it. I can't wait till the next game. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're looking at the last couple of seasons, given the way you've seen Man City win the league in imperious fashion, winning every game, smashing every team. Do you think Liverpool are you know fair just to manage it a bit better than that? Like like Wolves, for example. How, what did you make of that game and? in terms of, you know, a performance where they're just saving their legs, looking at future games, upcoming things in the new year? Yeah, I felt like the Leicester game, although they just got back from Qatar, I felt like that was the game Klopp had gone, right, go out there and lay down the marker, like absolutely batter these, like we're the champions of the world, go and win and like show everyone this is what we're about. 4-0 done that, I think it's our best performance of the season and for probably quite a while, to be honest, other than the last best performance was obviously the Barcelona game, wasn't it? Um Similar scoreline. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I feel like that was the game. They went all out and then the legs did come off in that game. But Liverpool are that ruthless now that they won. They managed to win. You know, VAR was obviously helpful for getting rid of uh, Wolves' goal. Felt like that was quite cruel, but like we'd be up in arms if it was us. But yeah. obviously, you know, it takes it out of the game a little bit. Um, the celebration of who was it? The score, Neto. Mm-hmm. Like he his gave, slide, yeah, he he's... gave his all. Like his arms were flapping and everything. He was doing like a mad pout, wasn't he? And yeah. then he was, the like he was offering thing, out the main stand, which reduced like the just, sympathy a little. Yeah, bit. you have to like rewind that mm. and just be like, it's done. But I think now Liverpool, in terms of like game management going forward, I mean, this period was the the one everyone was saying. You know, the festive fixtures are going to be what makes or breaks Liverpool's season. I think now it's January, then it'll be February. But Liverpool can now look to this December and think, well, we've done that, we can do it again. And I think, you know, in terms of getting past Sheffield United and then being unbeaten for the year, obviously getting beat by City, that was on January the 3rd, wasn't it? I think that's just massive for Liverpool. And I'm not sure at this point... As a fan watching even yesterday, like you knew Liverpool were going to win. Mm-hmm. It's the same as when Firmino scored late against Monterey. You knew he was going to score. You knew Liverpool were going to score late. It's just become a, a habit now. It's a habitual thing that Liverpool are just going to going to win and not even going to draw. Like it's it's it is bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's a, a bizarre time to be living in. It's a strange feeling. Um, come and come on to VAR, Gorsi. Obviously. The whole game was pretty much ruled by it yesterday in terms of the two major incidents, the goals. One was given, one wasn't. Obviously, if we were on the right side of it. We've said we'd be fuming if the wall was given against us, for us, either side of the coin. Whatever, whatever side you fall on, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? What needs to happen? Well, I think the first one is VAR when it works well. We went it's to too th- long, though. It's yeah, way, way, yeah. way, way it's too never, long. It must have been yeah. three minutes. Go over to the screen be like, oh, it's hit his shoulder. Goal. Yeah. Done. Yeah, yeah, you are you are right. I agree with that. It, it is taking too long, and it's it's got to see the problems. Know that personally, I'd like I'd, I'd like to see it just you know scrapped completely. Um, I'm not not a big fan of it at all. But um, it got got the first one right. It took too long to do it, but it did get it right. The second one, you'd probably say it's as it got it right, probably. But it's such a way for thin margin now. You can understand completely why Wolves fans were absolutely furious with VAR. They had two different chants about VAR and, and they were singing uh, it's not football anymore and um, they they weren't happy and you can understand why because if that would have happened the other on the other end Liverpool fans would be furious and you, you'd be able to have your gripe as to why. The thing that the most worrying thing about it for me is when Pedro Neto scores and he's celebrating like he's just won the Champions League final and then two minutes later it's getting chalked off. It just completely ruins that. You know, that instant joy and elation of scoring a goal. 
You think if, if since Alexander Arnold puts that free corner in quickly for Origi and he sticks it away against Barcelona, Liverpool scored the fourth goal and the absolute pandemonium on the cop and across Anfield that night. VAR was in play then. You're waiting three minutes to see if it's going to be given, and it just completely deflates the moment of what mm-hmm. is one of the biggest moments of Liverpool's entire decade. So it's uh, it's something that needs to be looked at because if we can't celebrate these moments as and when they happen in front of our eyes, then what are football fans in for? What are footballers in for? It's it's ludicrous, really. All for the, the you know getting these little offside calls that are wafer thin, right? Um, I, I, I just I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, fair enough. And obviously, Dan, you are a match-going fan, an incredibly regular match-going fan, home, away, <laughs> abroad, wherever you want. At Anfield, they don't have screens, you don't even know what's going mm. on. How are you finding VAR as, as a fan? <clears throat> well, I'd, I'd agree 100% <clears throat> with, with, excuse me, with what Gorsi said there and that <clears throat> the damage it's doing to the spontaneity of being a football supporter and living and dying by those moments in the ground... Um, if I remember, if I remember rightly, I think the first game that Liverpool were involved with with VAR was the FA Cup tie against West Brom yeah. early in 2018. Now I didn't actually go to that game, but I do remember. I just watched on the telly, but I do remember hearing people say I was an absolute farce in the ground that you know you literally didn't know what was going on. Whereas the, the TV spectators, they've got everything there in front of them, and I, I do kind of find it kind of almost kind of a little bit immoral that. The whole system seems to be catering more towards the TV spec TV customers, sorry, what TV viewers, rather than the paying spectators who mm-hmm. who are basically the lifeblood of the game. Um, so that's one aspect to it. <clears throat> the reality, I mean, I would agree with I would agree with Paul as well to a certain degree. If it was up to me, I'd quite happily scrap VAR. Goal line technology, as far as I'm concerned, is enough. And the rest of it, you just have to, you know, the vagaries of referees' mistakes. It, you know, I know it's a cliche, but I, I've always believed it does even itself out. Whether it's over a season, over five seasons, over ten seasons, there will just be a natural leveling up process. However, I don't think that's ever going to happen. There's, there's too much been time and ev- and everything and money <clears throat> invested in it. <clears throat> it obviously it works relatively well in other sports, and you know, the, and there are benefits to it, as we saw with the first goal for Liverpool yesterday. Read a very good article this morning from uh, Rory Smith in the New York Times, who, and I've, I've heard other people make this point that everyone, understandably, is raging at VAR at the minute. But really, the, the ultimate culprit is the rules of the game. The VAR really is just the way that the the rules are being manipulated and adopted. And I think what it comes down to is particularly these these absolute marginal borderline offsides. Now, the whole point of VAR, when, when it was brought in, we were all told was for clear and obvious mistakes. Now, if it's a, you know, a cigarette paper's width, that's not clear and obvious. If you happen to look at it 10 times, yeah. it's not clear and obvious. The other aspect to it is that when we all grow up, when we all grow up learning about football and starting to love the game, and you know, obviously you, you learn about offside and everything, we're always told the... the um, Attack against the advantage. Exactly. The, the, the benefits should be given to the, to, to the attackers. Now, I would... I'd, yeah, well, I think if you did a straw poll of most football supporters, whether match going or not, they would not have any problem you know, with that being adopted in principle. So I think what I did see someone, actually an ex-photographer here, Gareth Jones, basically saying, VAR's a joke, let's just play the season again, one game each with a level playing field. He's a big blue, isn't he? So that's not going to happen. But I don't see any reason why they can't just come out mad. Now that we are essentially at the halfway point in the season and just say, right, we're taking on board the criticism. We see it, it's you know it's not working in certain areas. This is the new situation for offside because I think if they sorted those marginal offsides, mm-hmm. I do think everyone would be a lot kind of calmer about it. Yeah, certainly, Kiva. Are you kind of with Paul and Dan there about scrapping it for now, or you, know, you need a bit of changing and keeping it in? How how are you finding it yourself? Well, yesterday it was good, wasn't it? But I, I agree with. I mean, it was good. <laughs> well, for, it wasn't. But... It, no, it was <laughs> for good us. for Liverpool fans <laughs> yeah. yesterday. But another game that could be totally different, mm, and it's yeah. not good for Liverpool fans. Well, Firmino's armpit is a prime example. Yeah, and um, Mane scored as well, didn't he? And that was offside. I can't remember who that was against Old Trafford. Well, that was um, that it was the week, wasn't it, against Watford? Yeah, and Heather. it was literally just. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't even know. He, he wasn't offside, but anyway. So I feel like I don't know. Yesterday was obviously beneficial to Liverpool fans, but then we could easily be on the end of the, the wrong end of the stick against Sheffield United. Um, I think you made a good point about the screens. Like Anfield's obviously one of the only grounds in the Premier League without a screen. I think Old Trafford. I think Old Trafford's the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was luckily I was sat in the main stand and if I walked up the stairs a little bit, there's like a bit of a fancy restaurant up there, isn't there? And they have all screens. So every time, like there was a them two times, there was <laughs> I just you? went up the stairs and was like, <laughs> and I straight away knew that should be a goal. 
and that shouldn't because, I mean, it was marginal, but he, his, his boot does look offside. So you straight away know as a fan that's going to happen. When you don't have a screen to sort of see that, there's no debate. You're just stood there wondering, aren't you, what's going to happen? Mm. Um, so the I players think, too. They have no idea. Well, Conor Cody spoke well about that after the game, didn't he? There in the dark. Um, Conor Cody actually was was talking. He was in the mix on after the game, and um, he he talked a lot of sense from what I overheard from him. He was saying players aren't getting told what's happening. Mm. No one really knows. We just kind of have to like and lump any decisions that go or go for or against you. Um, I, I said said to you then, Conor, about I'd like to see it scrapped. I've, I've already revised my opinion on that. What I'd like, what I'd probably like to see is just the way for th- just the offside calls, just, just a take grey area, away. just a couple of centimeters on yeah, the side. I mean, I when know. when you see decisions given, like like Liverpool's first goal, actually, where they, they initially thought it was handball, and then you've looked at it and it wasn't. That that's fine. That that is where it works. Yeah. And when it's implemented right, it that's fine. But. These offsides are just ridiculous. Yeah, We've seen absolutely. it with Timu Pukui the, the other day. Um, was there another one with Brighton? Yeah, there was yeah. one with Brighton. It, it, it almost seems like these, these marginal offsides, sorry to jump in, there's one almost like every single week now. Yeah. And all right, technically it might be 100% correct, but I don't think it's in the spirit of the game. Yeah. And I think a lot of, <clears throat> you know, particularly spectators, but players and just everybody around the footballing world, it might be technically correct, but I don't think it's morally correct. I do you really think, you know, as a right-minded Liverpool supporter, if Wolves had given that goal yesterday, would you really be like, oh, like, oh my God, that's no. the most ridiculous decision yeah, ever. You wouldn't no, exactly, you. Yeah. Anyway, enough about the inaccuracies or accuracy, should I say, of VAR. Till the next time. <laughs> um, yeah. What the result did mean was Liverpool kept their 13-point gap ahead of Leicester, 14 points ahead of Man City. Got a game in hand on them all as well. Paul Gorst, have they won it? Well, not in technically one of it in principle mm, well I, I wrote in, in my match verdict after Leicester that you know it's surely now done and dusted and they, they might as well get the engravers on standby and start carving the L onto the trophy now because Liverpool surely cannot throw away this lead you're looking at Manchester City now need Liverpool to lose five games mm-hmm. and Liverpool have lost one in about 55 games so it's a tall order for, for, for that to happen if it was the other way around and Liverpool were, were third looking up at Manchester City Liverpool would be thrown in the towel, wouldn't he, and concentrating on the Champions League. Um, I cannot see Liverpool not winning this Premier League title now. That's, it's not for us to, to say, well, no, we'll take it one game at a time and give 110%, because that's the manager's job and that's the player's job. Us, as commentators of the game and, and you know the fans who go and watch it regularly every week, they're fully entitled to say at this stage, yeah, it's ours to win. Um, I just cannot see Liverpool not being crowned champions in May at this point. Dan Kay, I'm going to come to you. I know you're maybe slightly not quite as enthused as Paul Ghost about that, well, the end result. I think you'd, you'd have to be a fool to sit here and say, oh, it's all absolutely in the balance. Obviously, we've got not just a great chance, but the greatest chance we've had in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And 100% right, if we if it was City uh, as far ahead of us yeah, as we, we are now, I'd be saying here. it looks almost impossible. But, you know, the weight of 30 years, and I think Klopp made the point quite well after the game yesterday, that you know the intensity of that match yesterday. Liverpool have always been a big scalp, but we're an even bigger scalp now. European champions, mm. world champions, runaway league leaders, potentially champions elect. We, you know, every single player who comes up against us between now and the end of the season will be looking to trip us up and make a name for them, make a name for themselves. <clears throat> it's impossible. You know, I'm still a bit scarred by Steven Gerrard's slip, as I think most Liverpool fans of our era are, and until it's done. You certainly won't get me shouting the odds, but I think I've, after the Leicester game, a few messages of people, oh, it's done, lad. it's over, isn't it? And I was kind of like, you'll never hear me say that. It, but the, I think the combination of the Leicester game and the City game did feel kind of like potentially a defining moment. But I've seen plenty of other potentially defining moments in 30 years. What I will say is if they blow it from here, I'll never forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. give up then. I wouldn't give up, I'll just never forgive them. Keeper, <laughs> it just massively, you know, rests on what, course he said there City need Liverpool to lose five games in the next 19 it's just not going to happen is it City have lost five haven't they themselves mm. which is more than they lost last season I think they've completely fell off the, the wagon and I think Liverpool just keep on keeping on and that's made them kind of think oh you know it must affect them because it affected us last season when they just kept winning and we had to keep matching it and then obviously we had that bit of a mad was it January when we lost Dropped four four draws and six between like and late January to early March. Effectively killed <coughs> yeah. killed us off, didn't it? Um, I think now I'd 
I'm reluctant to say we've won it because I'm just... Why tempt fate? I don't know. I know a lot of people be like, confident, this is the best Liverpool team I've ever seen. And it is, but I just can't do it yet. I can't commit. It's. I mean, it's not even 2020 yet. We've still got a couple of days. So, you know, let's get into the new year, get past Sheffield United, which is the next game. And then obviously you get through that because there's tricky fixtures coming up. Tottenham, Man United. I think once Wolves you pass more of them... And more yeah, away from home for a few as well. I understand. You but. know, you just I, I think you can't count your um you know, you just you really can't until until it's actually there and it's happened. I think because, you know, we've had 30 years of hate mm-hmm. and you know, I went alive for a lot of that, but <laughs> I was a little bit of it. But you know, I've never seen Liverpool win a league title and I think I am that's why I'm so reluctant to sort of say it's, it's But also happen. as well, we live in an era of memes and people getting had off for mad claims that they come out with before. And I do yeah, you know, I just think a lot of us understandably are kind of like don't give ammunition. I mean you know, just to go back to the the um the World Club thing, we won we won the we wore the badge yesterday for the one and only time. Mm. And I actually think that was it. it was, I think they got they got that just about right. I, I wouldn't want us not to acknowledge it. In fact to be honest, I would have liked to have seen the trophy on the pitch before the game. Mm. But I'm glad that we're only wearing it for one league game. It'll look it'll look great in the European games and that's fine. But if we turned up to every league match for the end of the season, we're putting an even bigger Come target on our heads. Exactly. 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 Literally yeah, yeah. an actual target. So <clears throat> As I wrote in, in the, the final line of the debut little blood red column on Saturday, win this league and they'll be wearing gold badges on their arms every match next season. And that hope that should be a big motivating factor for them. I yeah, think. absolutely. Fair enough. And Kiwi <clears throat> gave me a seamless link and everyone who listens to this regularly knows I love a seamless link. <laughs> what also happens a couple of days in time in 2020. Oh my God. The transfer window opens. Oof. <laughs> um, Liverpool have already signed Takumi Minamino from RB Salzburg. He looks a really astute signing, £7.25 million. Looks, he played two incredible games against Liverpool and was a really exciting addition. He should be a really exciting addition for us and exactly what a clock player looks like. Um, there were some rumours that were going around today, weren't there, Paul Gorst, about a young left-back for a Dutch side, Iredovice Vitesse, who I think Liverpool have played before. Um, he's, he's left-back, he's English, he's a teenager. Um, you got an update? Max Clark, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was a couple of reports doing the round today that Liverpool's uh, stringent uh, analysis behind the scenes have identified uh, Max Clark in the Eredivisie as a potential left-back signing because of his crossing ability and apparently those statistics are way off the charts. But um, checked it out this afternoon, um, told that basically he's not under consideration at this point. So that doesn't look like that's one that's going to be happening um, this month. Uh, but as you mentioned, Takuni Minamino is coming in. Um, looking forward to seeing him. Seeing him uh, for Salzburg in, in the, the two games this season in the Champions League. He looks a very good player. Versatile, can play in a few positions. Bit of a steal at £7 million. Liverpool privately thought that he was worth maybe three times that. The money that's gone around in the Premier League at the moment, I'd suggest he's worth probably even more than that. Um, you're looking at minimum £30 million for, for a player of, of his quality from what I've seen. So he'll be a boost in January. Liverpool haven't always strengthened from a position of power in, in January and that's been, um, you know, that has affected them in, in title charges of recent years. So be good, good to see him involved, uh, probably against Everton in the FA Cup for his debut. And um, yeah, but it doesn't look like Max Clark's going to be joining him at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll stick with you um, just for the moment. Just to ask about Rian Brewster, um, there's been some speculation about where he might be going in January if he's going to the Championship to get some more game time. Obviously, Liverpool fans were very, very excited in the summer. The club have penned him as this next talent mm. up front. Um, where might he be going? Well, it looks like Swansea is going to be his destination, but I think Liverpool are going to make a definitive call after the FA Cup game, um, which is the fifth, is it? Um, yeah, fifth, Sunday. And I, I, I think that kind of gives you a hint as to what team Liverpool are going to be playing in, in that FA Cup game. Um, they've obviously brought Snap Phillips back on loan and even said in, in the tweet about him that um, he can play against Everton which I think was a telltale sign as to, to the kind of team that we're going to see against Everton um, looks like Brewster might be involved in that and then they'll decide whether or not to, to um, agree to the terms with Swansea I think it all centres around game time for him and, and how much the Swansea are going to be willing to, to throw him in because I think, I think they're going to put a clause in it was guaranteed an amount of matches weren't they yeah they, they, they tend to do that with, with certain loans and um, I think Liverpool obviously want to see him playing every week Um so I think that they'd agree to a loan if those kind of conditions. stipulations, conditions mm-hmm. are met. So we'll see what happens after the Everton game. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
Dan, I know you spoke about this before we started the podcast. Liverpool brought <clears> in <throat> Minamino, or bringing in Minamino, got the deal done already. He looks mm. like a great signing, will be a, a lovely addition in January. Do you think it's important that Liverpool have strength in this January? Because I know it's kind of been a bit of a bogey, hasn't it? A bit of a bogey Well, <clears throat> I always think back to you, the two, <clears throat> the two main genuine serious <clears throat> title tilts of the last uh, 30 years, really been in the last 10. 2009, when we got 86 points under Rafa and finished four points behind United. And then obviously 2014, when yeah, we were almost there and then unfortunately we lost that game to Chelsea. <clears throat> and on both those occasions there was a talk and suggestions that Liverpool might do a bit of business in January. In 2008-9, having brought Robbie Keane in from Tottenham, they then sold him within six months back to Tottenham and didn't replace him. There was talk of maybe kind of bringing a replacement for him. It didn't happen and they fell desperately short. And then in 2014, it was the Russian winger, Yevon Konoplyanka, who apparently in uh, Ian Air went on a wild goose chase out to the Ukraine to try and type (laughs) a late deal, but it didn't happen. Salad as well. Salah was, was first on the list, that's, wasn't he? Yeah, he that's right. Now, you know, it may well be that they could have brought in players in both those summers and they still didn't win the league. We'll never know, will we? But you, I, 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 think I can't imagine I was alone in, in at the end of that season, in the final analysis, looking back and just wondering, would one extra pair of legs, would one fresh face have made a difference? And I've, I've been heartened. Yeah, well, we've known for the best part of a month now, haven't we? Since, yeah. since the away leg in Salzburg at the start of December that, that, Minimino, that Minimino was coming in. And that is one of those things that gives me that kind of reassurance that the club are doing everything in their power to do everything possible to win this league and to make sure that mistakes of the past aren't going to be repeated. I did wonder possibly about a bit of cover at centre-back. I mean, I'm a big fan of both Matip and Lovren, but they are injury-prone. And the fact that Jordan Henderson had to to play centre-half in the World Club Championship semi-final shows that we are possibly a little bit short in that regard. But the fact that Nat Phillips is now coming back from loan Stuttgart from Stuttgart mm-hmm. I think shows that they are looking to at least make sure that they are better covered in in that area um, I'd be surprised if we did much more than that but I'm you know I'm relatively comfortable with with Minamino and Phillips coming back and, and who knows maybe one other we'll see yeah that's my question to you Kiva do you think signing Minamino is enough for Liverpool to strengthen do you think they need more I mean, buy them all if it makes this league come quicker. But <laughs> I, I think Liverpool might not do anything else now. I think Minamino's such a, a big sign and um, such a great deal. I feel like he'll add so much. Um, like Paul mentioned, such a versatile player. We haven't seen a lot of him, but what we have seen, we've all been very impressed. Um, I think the centre-half was the one sort of worry, wasn't it? But now Nat Phillips is coming back. It makes you think, I know he's less experienced than the others, but it makes you think there's someone else in there that is, you know, meant to be, like, you know, is a defender because I can't cope with Jordan Henderson ever having to be yeah. in that position ever again. You know, at least someone who's, you know, knows the game back there. Um, and then I'm kind of looking, where else would you strengthen other than maybe some full back, sort of back up maybe on the left, like, there's nowhere else. Possibly I, I, for Robert, because it's only really Milner out. Just because yesterday there, I, I was mess. thinking Robertson, mm. other than Milner being there, Robertson has no one to cover. Mm. And yesterday in that second half, him and um, Trent were really tired and towards the mm. end of it. And I think that's a bit of a worry going forward. Not that, you know, we're so, so many points ahead now, but I think as well you want to be pushing on in Europe and having no one really there is not, not great, but obviously Milner's so, so versatile. He could play in goal, probably couldn't he? So I think it's the only position his career has never played in goal, isn't it? It's played everywhere yeah. else. <laughs> Before the end of the season, James Milner will play in goal. <laughs> putting that on. Make there. sure of it. But yeah, I can't. I just think because of the quiet summer the club had, I feel like they were building up maybe to the next summer, see what happens, incomings, outgoings. So I just feel like it might just be a quiet one. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, fair enough. Would you would you agree with that, Corsi? Would you agree that it's maybe a left-sided defender that they'd need or could possibly look at and that would be the lot? Yeah, that, I think it will be a quiet one. I don't think Liverpool... Uh, I think if, if they were ever going to have a busy January, then something will have, will have gone wrong at some point. So I think it'll just be, um, you know, as you are. Uh, but it's, it's the, the problem Liverpool have got is, as Kiva says there about full-backs, is... They've got two of the best fullbacks in Europe, so trying to replicate someone who's got those similar characteristics to keep that style of play going with the you know the superb crossing, the energy levels up and down, the ability to actually defend, 
Um, it's tough to find players who are capable of doing that. You know, obviously maybe it's not to a level a of... of those things would be tough to find. Exactly. <laughs> maybe not to a level of an Alexander-Arnold or a Robertson, but even just someone who's like a like a, a Robertson light, if you like, even players of that ilk are still going to be difficult to find. And Liverpool aren't really in a position where they've got hundreds of millions to throw at it and they don't really need to. So they've got got a couple of problems as to who they might recruit in those areas and it's probably why the the might be just, you know, keeping the powder dry until the summer. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we've spoken a little bit there about how a couple of players may have looked tired towards the end of that Wolves game, Dan. I know they've got an extra day than everybody else because they're not playing on New Year's Day, they're playing on the second against Sheffield United. Mm. Um, what do you think Klopp might do? Do you think players need a rest? <clears throat> it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Sheffield United are a very, very good team. Mm. By all accounts, they played really well away to Man City yesterday and could quite easily have got some in from the game we were talking yeah, about marginal offsides. Average, to be honest. Yeah. The goal they scored in the first half was one of these absolute hair's breath offsides mm-hmm. that, you know, really, as, and not just because we're Liverpool fans, it's against City. As a football fan, you want to see more goals. You want to see attackers given the benefit of the doubt. I think I'm right in saying that was their first league away defeat of the season. Yeah, right. well, yeah. 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 And yeah 11 I'm sure- months. Apparently, I think yeah, yeah, because yeah. obviously they had, they had a good promo- promotion push. I'm sure I read a stat over the other the other day that basically they were the first newly promoted team to go unbeaten to Christmas in the top flight since like the 1940s or something. Wow! So they're 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 an excellent side. Um, they will come to Anfield with no fear. They will, as I said before, I think we're going to face virtually every single game. They're going to want to come and put a, a hole in the bow of the you know this great oil this great huge liner that Liverpool are at the minute. Um, so I think he might make a couple of changes, bearing in mind the next match is the FA Cup tie. However, it's not just any old FA Cup tie, is it? It's an FA Cup tie against Everton. Yeah. So I think we might, I mean, f- from what he said about Shakiri yesterday, you kind of get the impression maybe Shakiri might have played if he'd been fit. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe we might see him come back in against Sheffield. We might see Divock Origi get a start. Um Henderson, Jordan Henderson was magnificent again yesterday. He started pretty much every game over the last month or so. Um, defensively, I'm not sure there's, there's an awful lot he can do. He, he said, I think, at the last press conference, Lovren, Matip and Fabinho are making good progress, but they're still at least a couple of weeks yeah. away. Not I think it February, may well... Basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it may well be a case of largely, maybe a couple of minor alterations here and here and there but largely go again okay well, we'll come on to a full team selection at the end here as we always do when a game is coming up but Kievert compared to Wolves I know Sheffield United and Wolves are in a pretty similar position this season in terms of how they've been playing results and points but they represent a very different prospect with Wolves you know they've got these quick attacking players and quite expansive football whereas Sheffield United seem like quite a compact unit how do you think Liverpool will cope with that different sort of style and different sort of threat um, I think the day's rest will benefit them greatly against what will be a blockade, won't it? Um, Sheffield United have done so well this season, not only defending, but when they break forward, they're quick, agile, and that's how they get a lot of the goals, which have obviously put them into fifth, I think they are at the minute, sixth or fifth. I think they were fifth, I'm not sure. They might have dropped down. I think they're about eighth now, but they're still oh. doing unbelievable. I mean, they were until they lost. I had them marked as like going down bottom. Even though they had, had such a great championship season, I thought... Oh, they didn't really buy anybody, did they? Yeah, the and it was a bit of a... Didn't really need you know, to, clearly. They've obviously just kept that momentum going. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it'll be a tricky game for Liverpool, arguably more tricky than Wolves because of what Wolves had to endure against Man City. And then, obviously, um, Sheffield United have played Man City. But I, I just feel like with that, that day's rest... That, both teams are being given. It'll just sort of like set the playing field where Wolves, I think they made a lot of changes from mm-hmm. the team that had um, beat Manchester City. I think obviously Liverpool will try and rotate, but it'll be another sort of sprinkling and a gentle rotate. I don't think it'll be like take out the front three or anything like that. I don't know, maybe Origi will start, but I just think the momentum now Liverpool have got, I think Klopp will be reluctant to sort of one of want to risk, especially with then being able to give quite a few key players a rest against Everton, you would think. And it's a game you don't want to lose because it's the derby and it's at Anfield. Um, but I think he'll be willing to sort of take that one on the chin almost as much as... 
Well, you remember as well the team he picked against Everton in the league. Now, obviously, Everton are a bit of a different animal. That was Marco Silva's last game. They've now got Carlo Ancelotti in the playing well. But I, I, I agree with what you said. I think after the Sheffield United game, there's basically what... 10 days till the next league match against Tottenham. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think he'll basically say, right, you can get some rest in your legs then. Maybe one or two of you might get a run out against the Blues or be on the bench. But I think he'll say, we've made such incredible progress in this last six weeks. Let's get another good league win under our belts. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's over, as we all great pains to say, mm-hmm. but it's another little kind of... And I think there, getting over that year, so I think he'll stay quite quite strong against um, yeah. mm-hmm. Fair enough. the Blades. Are you, Gorsi, at all worried about January? You know, you've got a really good, really solid Sheffield United side. You've got the Derby. You've got Tottenham. These games are not easy. Man United Wolves away. Yeah, yeah. Well. It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think, as Dan says there, that, that six-day period between Everton and Tottenham is, is actually massive for Liverpool because, you know, six days can, for the schedule that they have had is, is you know, an eternity. Like holiday. Yeah. Um, Liverpool just, for me, I just cannot... I just don't think Liverpool can afford to lose this FA Cup game. Carlo Ancelotti's first derby. Uh, Liverpool looking to protect a 21-year unbeaten run in Anfield mm-hmm. against Everton. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, they haven't lost since 2010. Home or away. I think Liverpool would be happy to win that game and just give Everton the bite of the fourth round. Just say, go on, lads, go and represent the City and, and see how you get on. So Liverpool just, they kind of, Klopp hasn't lost the derby. There's just so much riding on that. So, if, he, if Klopp goes into that with a team similar to maybe the Aston Villa team, um, I can't see them not getting knocked out the FA Cup and so then this revitalised Everton side and that glorious record that Liverpool fans love to remind Everton fans about will be in the bin. And, um, yeah, so Liverpool have got to go strong for that game. But obviously they've, I think they've got to go strong for Sheffield United as well. So it's difficult. I, I think we might see... Um, a raft of changes at Anfield against Sheffield United and then something, hopefully anyway, resembling more of a first-choice 11 against Everton. Okay. Do you think Klopp thinks about the record? Because obviously it's no. on every fan's mind. He doesn't. No, I don't think he does. Because I then... he made that clear. Yeah. You look so at then he'll play that, a weaker team, surely. Yeah. Cause You'll if, quietly if, know, though. He knows, he's probably one of the most well-aware managers of things that are going on in world football. Very perceptive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, incredibly so. He has great foresight. He will definitely know about it, but I don't actually think he'll care. Yeah, exactly, no. yeah. 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 I mean if you look at the if you look at his team selections across his, his history with Everton, he's always treated Everton well, not, not as, have never started against Everton, have exa- they? Exa- not as a, as if the, the the big city rivals. He's always treated them as though you know, where were they when they, they, they came to Anfield? 16th, 17th? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll put out a team that is good enough to beat a team who was 16th or 17th in the Premier League. Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, Mohamed Salah have never started as a front three. They started one game together, but that was when Shaqiri was on the right and Firmino was behind Salah. So he's never actually unleashed them as a as an attacking trio. Um, Everton have got away with it so far. I think they might get away with it again next week as much as I'd like to see them in from the off and... Go through to the I think if the round. fans were picking the team, it'd be the strongest <laughs> Liverpool eleven, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll be sure to speak about Everton a lot more next, or well, on Friday when we come to talk about hopefully a Sheffield United win and mm. a preview of Everton. Um, but I think it might be time to, to pick a team, as we've already mentioned. You know, the defence. There's just no, there's no moving room at all. Happy for Gomez. I know you, Dan, you wanted to speak a little bit about Gomez. So maybe this is the <clears> time. You really pleased well, with how well he's been doing. <laughs> I think he's been outstanding since he came back into the team. Yeah, well, I think right from the start, he's always looked like he, he would be a player from those first games. He played at left-back under Brendan Rodgers at the start of the 2015-16 season. He's had some serious injury problems. Um, he's seen, obviously, the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Dejan Lovren and Joel Matip all come in and all kind of make great claims to be Liverpool's best centre-half. But I think the last couple of weeks, you know, kind of maybe feels like possibly a watershed moment for him. Um, you know, we've been pressed into service in massive games of the World Club Championship because the other, you know, Van Dijk's other two main partners were injured. And, um, you know, there have been times when he's actually outshone, outshone Van Dijk. Not just, you know, with a friend last night, he was saying, still don't race him. He's all he's got his pace and nothing else. And, you know, I, I couldn't have agreed. Wow. Well, listen, everyone's entitled to an opinion, aren't they? But um, I told him in, in quite clear terms that I didn't agree with him one little bit. <laughs> and, you know, not just the fact that I think, I think you know, 
listen, he's not the finished article, far from it. He's still going to make the odd error here. And now that comes with the that comes with the position he plays in and also with being a young footballer. But I think he's made giant strides in, in a lot of areas of his game. And I think one area in particular yesterday, not just you know, is, if he's fit, he's going to be quick, isn't he? He's, he's, a, he's a big, quick, strong lad. Um, I think his defensive instincts are getting better all the time, but I thought his passing was really good yesterday mm-hmm. as well. You know, particularly his balls out to the wing, putting the likes of Trent and Robbo on the front foot with just these little passes that are just, just slightly in front of the player so they can run onto it. Um, and he just looks like he's really growing in in stature and in strength and in, and in terms of taking responsibility and uh, really, really impressed with him of late. Yeah, good. Yeah, we spoke a fair bit about Gomez on the on the Friday podcast, well, the Saturday podcast as it turned out to be, and just so important how Liverpool, you know, have a set of good defenders who have stepped up at the right time. But you think about Joe Gomez, Gorsty. He's 23, is he? 22. Uh, 22. 22. How many 22-year-olds are playing at centre-back for a team of this calibre at this level? There is just none in world football. It's just an amazing thing to see, an amazing prospect for the future. Yeah, well, it's, it feels like he's been around for years now, doesn't it? That's because he comes to the pool as an 18-year-old and he's obviously had about three long-term injuries that have probably stunted his development somewhat and he'd have played a lot more games for, for the player of his age if he'd avoided those injuries. But he's picked his perfect moment to come back into form because obviously the pool were down to the bare bones at centre-back um, and he was having a little bit of a shaky season individually before the Club World Cup. Uh, he was excellent in that final against Flamengo. He, he kept their, you know, their big guns quiet alongside Van Dijk, and he was he was excellent last night. And Liverpool now have put together a string of clean sheets um, that have just reminded everyone that they are, you know, a very good defensive unit when they were shipping goals pretty much every game. Weren't they? they weren't really tightening up. Six out of seven, I think it is clean sheets. Yeah. So, so that, that's been a, a complete turnaround. Not that Liverpool were, were leaking too many goals. It was just they were unable just to kind of keep that, those clean sheets and, and just get back to where they were last year when they, when they were so good defensively. So it seems that every one of these centre-backs alongside Van Dijk are having a real moment to, to stake their claim. And for whatever reason, normally injury, it, it's kind of, disru- they've all been disrupted. But for now, Gomez looks like he, he's got the shirt and it's up to Matip and Lovren to get back onto it when they, they finally come back from, from injury. Yeah. Okay, we'll just briefly mention before we do move on to a team selection, you know, Liverpool's defence as a unit, Alisson's stepping up at the right time now. He looks to be back to his best. Um, they have an incredible defence and it's probably one of the main reasons why they are at the top of the Premier League table so far clear as they are because City have already conceded as many goals as they had the whole of our season. Other teams are struggling with their defence. Arsenal top. You look at everybody, you think Liverpool are the best defence in the league without a doubt. Yeah, and obviously it's come to the fore the past few weeks, hasn't it? Um, but City made... a a drastic mistake by not bringing in anyone to replace Vincent Company, someone of that stature, allowing him to just go and yeah. not replace. I think has cost them the Premier League Massive. title. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool, you know, even like Paul said, down to the bare bones of defenders. But then again, Joe Gomez, there he is, steps up to the plate and offers Liverpool, you know, these amazing performances. And, you know, it's a team filled with players at the right time who just seem to come into form obviously seeing Naby Keita and players of the likes who just come in and step up. But obviously, defence is absolutely massive, isn't it? Yeah. I think now the clean sheets are starting to come. You feel like Liverpool and the defence are now in a rhythm where it kind of had a, the same effect last season where the defence was that good that we didn't really need to score goals. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, obviously, they're always trying to score goals, but it sort of stumped them at times. I feel like that happened yesterday. Sometimes you can be reliant on your defence and to be able to be reliant on your defence is just massive, a massive yeah. pro for Liverpool. Yeah, massively. Okay, so Alisson clearly starts in goal against Sheffield, doesn't he? Um, centre-back's going to be Gomez and Van Dijk. Full-backs started to look a little bit tired against Wolves. Do, yeah. they, re- do, they, do they rest? Are they rotated? Are they in and given a rest against Everton? I think Milner would have a shout to go in and, in either right or left-back, but the midfield is down to... The last few as well, isn't it? So yeah. it's might need him there. Yeah, there's no Oxley Chamberlain, there's no Fabinho, Shakiri's hopefully coming 50, back. Fifty fifty, yeah. Mm. So I don't know whether he might be needed in midfield, to be honest. So I'm gonna go with Trent and Robertson. Would you agree, Dan? Yeah. Uh I just think it's too important. We've we've the momentum that we've got, the position that we're in, you kinda of think if you know, if we can keep on winning for the next couple of weeks, couple of months. I think we're very close to breaking the spirit of, our, of of the chasing pack. 
I will still never, ever say it's over until it's mathematically impossible. But you just get the impression that, you know, in the last couple of team selections, I think, have, I think have shown us that, particularly after having played so well against Leicester, I would have expected more changes yesterday. And the fact that he didn't, I think, says to me that he really values this momentum. And if we can keep it rolling on, it, it, it would be, it, it just wouldn't make sense to, to mess with it right now. And for you, Kiva? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think continuity is key. Any, if you look back at all the teams that have won titles, they mostly have the same team yeah. playing the majority of games. So you do kind of think Milner could come in and give one of them a rest, but then I think they'd have to feature anyway at some point because the midfielders, their wheels look to be falling off a little bit yesterday. Mm. Henderson, I think, played remarkably as he has been one of the players of the season. He's been outstanding, but you could just see it in his shoulders. I don't know, there was something, there was a tiredness to him, but he just kept running through mm. it like you expect Mental him to. tiredness as much as anything yeah, else. Yeah, I think exhaustion, you know. Yeah. I've travelled like 6,000 miles and back and, you know. Um, yeah, it's fair it's, enough. I mean, look, that's a, that's a clean sweep for the defence. I can really agree more. I think the momentum is just so, so important. Um, the midfield is is the engine room, isn't it? It's, it is labelled as what they give Liverpool. They run so much. They do so much hard work, so much hard pressing that midfield to allow Trent to run something, to allow the front three to do their thing. I think there's definitely going to be a change. I think Milner definitely starts against Sheffield. I think it might be Milner, Lalana, and Keita. Um, completely new midfield just to freshen her up I think Milner and, and Lallana are capable enough to to mix it up against Sheffield United mm-hmm. and Katie just that little sprinkling of creativity in, in the final third I think you know I didn't even think about Adam Lallana but I always kind of want to give a kind of I, I think he he's well been unbelievable Brilliant. the last couple of weeks mm. I, you know, I, I think I don't think I'm alone in thinking I thought he was finished as a Liverpool player right. and even when he came on and scored that vital equaliser at Old Trafford which I think will have to go down as one of the absolute key yeah. moments of yeah. the season yeah. um, well, that I still didn't so think important, well yeah. we might see him in the odd League Cup game here and there he started the semi-final in Doha I think against Monterey yeah. and did okay but but I do remember when um, when Chamberlain got injured early in the sec- early in the second half and he came on ahead of Milner. I was thinking, why is he bringing him on? And he was outstanding. He chased the ball as if his life depended on it. And when he got the ball, he was calm and composed. And I thought he was outstanding again yesterday. Yeah, I did. And I really hope he, he you know, I, hope, I don't want to be getting ahead of myself, but I really hope he plays enough games that if, 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 if we do win the league, he gets, he gets a medal because he deserves one. Yeah, absolutely. If we do it. So you agree with Gorsi's midfield there? Yeah. And same for you, Keith. Do you know what? You I would agree because Loana yesterday was outstanding. Just mm. watching him, I was almost sad. I think he came off around sixty-five minutes, did he? And I was upset to see him go because mm. it felt like everything good that was coming through Liverpool was coming through his, you know, his sublime feet, his footwork's incredible. Twinkle I think toes, isn't he? Yeah. he really is, and I know that can sometimes annoy fans because he'll tend to, you know, do like four pivots and then... He does ball. it in the right areas though, now I think I that think, experience, yeah, it's he's more got forward. I think yeah. his range of passing is just, you know, I think he, he showed that in Qatar, didn't he? And um, yeah, I think when a player has put in such a good performance, you have to reward them yeah. with another start. And I feel like, you know, everything that was good about Liverpool yesterday was Adam Lallana. Yeah, I mean, if, if you hadn't have said that midfield first, I'm not sure I would have picked it, but I'm struggling <laughs> yeah. to come up with a reason why <laughs> I don't believe in it. And it's a really, really good option. And, you know, it's such a solid chance, you know, using that midfield to give Henderson a rest, to give yeah. Wijnaldum exactly, a rest. Yeah. To get, you know, it's so well needed rests as well. Physically with Everton coming, I think a couple of them might probably still play, to be fair. Um, but yeah, OK, midfield, fine. The question up front is, does Divock Origi start? Does Jordan Skiri start if he's fit? What, what are you going for, Paul Gorst? Yeah, I'd like to see Rigi start. I think, you know, when, when he came in against Everton, there was quite a, he was one of a number of head scratches, wasn't he? But he, he was fantastic and um, I'd like to see him get a run out. I'm not really sure who, who's getting the breather though, I think. Maybe Salah? Yeah. Um, if Shakiri is fit, then I'd, I'd, I'd put him <coughs> in as well, actually, because I don't think you can have too many complaints with what he did on, on his last start. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd go with Origi down the middle, Shakiri on the right and Mane on the left. Danke. It's splitting hairs, isn't it really? I mean, I, I, I think I would like to see Origi play because not, I'm absolutely not saying Sheffield United... Play and see, play down the middle, I think, to be uh, honest. Absolutely not saying they're a team of cloggers, but I just think against, you know, it might be more his kind of game than, say, one of the more cerebral teams, shall we say. Um I think that there's been a couple of times when you've had a front three with, with Ari and Shakiri in and they kind of dovetail quite well. So I kind of think if you are going to play one and if Shakiri's fit, 
there is a strong claim, a strong claim to play the other. Um, Mo Salah is, is look is you know maybe he hasn't got the goals he's deserved in recent weeks, but he's to me he's started to kind of show signs of getting back to that kind of sharpness again. Obviously, you know, Firmino's kind of had a good run of um, a good run of mm. form that, that's been resulted in goals for him. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I'd, I'd, I'd go with that one that, that Paul's picked. But the beautiful thing about it is that we're in this position now, where really much whatever combination Klopp, Klopp comes up with, if they deliver, we'll be happy. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard now listening to that to argue for Rigi not to start because I thought he he done really well when he come on yesterday. He holds the ball up, I think, better than any of the other. Mm. The front He's a three. different sort of attacker. Isn't so he did that really well in the final in Doha and extra time mm-hmm. when kind of like you know it's a long game, it's extra time, and he, we played that last 10, 15 minutes brilliant. He was a big part of that. I thought just keeping the ball in there. Yeah, half. and I think we're going to need to keep the ball in their half just to create more chances mm-hmm. and just you know wear um, Sheffield United down. So it's hard not to want to reward them. I think for just being a Rigi by giving them a start, but at the same time you just want you just How's want your that. statue coming on by the way. Do you know what? I keep getting asked this. People, <laughs> there are still people who ask this question, and I'm like, do we just that. wait now to see if Liverpool win the title, and then the statue can obviously? I do a little go just, for just me. Just commission again. the entire squad. I had someone message me about um, doing like a 3D, like someone who makes 3D things. Like someone actually messaged me, so <laughs> this well, might yeah. actually happen. Niche in the market, Big. clearly. Honestly, no. best thing to come to Birkenhead. So Rigi, <laughs> the other two. Um. I think I was surprised to see Firmino come off yesterday, although he he did look a little bit tired, I think. But I, I think he'll probably start and Manny will. I think I'm agreeing with these two. Did you say Salah? Probably. Shakiri, Origi and Manny for me. I don't think Shakiri will just because of his little bit of a mm. injury. I just mm. think that'll take... Klopp won't want to risk him. Maybe he's better suited for the derby, particularly if he's had a knock and he's obviously got a bit, you know, a bit of form against Everton and yeah. scored against them a month ago. So what are you saying then? So I'll, yeah, I'll probably just rest Salah, put a Rigi on, Mane, Firmino. Rigi on the left? Yeah, I think I liked them up there yesterday, pushing. Okay, fair enough. Well, I think I'd like a Rigi down the middle, my own personal choice for him and where I think he's best. Um, it's a really tricky thing and it's exactly what Dan says, you know, you're just so pleased with the amount of talent Liverpool have in the pool to pick from. Um, but yeah, I'd probably drop him out for Firmino um, and have Salah and Mane and Origi down the middle. But such is the beauty of this Liverpool team and the squad of players. Paul, give me a score prediction. 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. Um, I th- think Sheffield United... Sheffield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Sheffield United will, will look to play a little bit. Um, I think that's where they might come undone. They played very well at uh, Bramall Lane against Liverpool, but... Come to Anfield, Liverpool generally um, tend to game. thrive if, if you, you fancy taking them on with a game of football. Yeah, I'm going to go three 0 I think I, th- I think it might take a while. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if his goal is at half time. I think Sheffield will come mm. um, have a go, but defend well. But I think, you know, one of the great things about this Liverpool team is now that you don't if they're not three up after twenty minutes, you're not panicking, thinking mm. even you know, if three up after one up after an hour, they've shown this ability to get the job done in, in a variety of different manners. And I think they might, they'll have to work hard against Sheffield because they're, they're one of the success stories of the season that, you know, a local lad managing them, a fan who spent hardly any money and they're absolutely in the top half of the table on merit and, you know, more power to their elbow. But I think eventually Liverpool will have too much for them. The first goal and come to my head was 3-0 as well. I feel like it'll just be a competent, easy, routine Liverpool win, I'd like to think. Similar to the, was a, Bournemouth and Burnley were they both three 0 games? Possibly one of them was. Burnley? Yeah, they were Burnley away in yeah. August. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just a game like that where it necessarily doesn't have to be one nil or two nil before the you know mm. the second half, but Liverpool will cruise to it. I think impose yeah. their will. Yeah. yeah two nil from me. Um, I think it'll be a very very hard fought first force forty five. I think Sheffield United are very compact. They're a different unit than Burnley are this season certainly, mm. but. Seems pretty positive and we don't see them scoring, so happy days. And we'll be back on Friday. Thank you very much for listening, where we will hopefully be talking about a Sheffield United win, a further gap at the top of the Premier League and Everton coming to Anfield on Sunday in the FA Cup. Thank you. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.